HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, with Daniel Weinstock, Mike Garrett, uh, founders, partners in Divide and Conquer Incorporated, and owners. Well, we're in the, the butcher room of Mabel Block Meat Company. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Right on, thanks. Um, so we're in Culver City, not the first place you think of when you think of great uh, barbecue and brisket in America, right? Correct. Um, you know, and we'll talk about the road you got here, but uh, why why Culver City? Central. Central. Yeah, yeah. so people can uh, come from all ends, you know, which does happen on the weekends. We were just talking about the traffic world, not the easiest to get to, but great local base and support, as well as then great central spot for people to jump on a freeway and come see us. Yeah, I mean, the four or five is right there, yeah. the ten. Look at me, living here two years, and I yeah. sound like I know how to drive. You're throwing some numbers around. That's throwing good. some numbers around. Um, so, Daniel, you, um, you've been interested in food, I think, as, as long as you could walk. Very true. Uh, how did you get started? Grandmother, mother, yeah, father? Yeah, you know, it is the, a, uh, the, the grandmother at, you know, at six years old. Um, you know, not not knowing much, but uh, knowing that I would call her up and say, I'm coming out, can you make that that roast game curd again? And it was just really basic uh, day-to-day food that she was making and was into, and um, I loved it and really gravitated to it. My mom uh, was also a great cook. Um, and, you know, as ex- my sister is exposed to it, but there was sort of an innate draw an understanding I think to food so from you know I remember cooking my whole, my whole life uh, you know all the way through um, you know well grade school even even high school did you start cooking in high school was that your first job yeah my first job was baking bread um, at, uh, at at 13 I we were a great harvest bread company and how, did we, you, how did you get around those child labor laws yes I, best interview question in my life the owner asked me what uh, CD was in uh, my disc man at the time, which dates me a little bit, I guess. And Dang yourself. He what said, was it? Uh, well, that was shoot, 90 or 89. So it's, that was, I don't know. Yeah. 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. And uh, what CD was in your, uh, was in your player? Uh, it was Sound Soundgarden. It was uh, super unknown. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, he said, "Great, you're hired." And really, probably uh, just was happy that, uh, that there was anything playing. And uh, you know, I worked hard to started off chiseling raisins off the floor and working the cash register. Got to the kneading table, and um, you sort of know if that immediately was struck by the camaraderie and mm. um, that, that sort of hands-on work. That uh, and I worked all through high school and college, and got to that meeting table, and here we are. Here we are. Um, and so, uh, Mike, you're native Angelino, correct? Correct. Um, but you got into the restaurant hospitality business through being through a different way. Through the through the back door. Through the back door. <laughs> Isn't that always the best way? It through is. the uh, through the entrance, through the kitchen, through the, the side entrance. That's How did you it. get started in uh, nightlife and hospitality? Actually, yeah, it was it was nightclub world. So on your on your music side of the thing, I was a DJ. You know, oh yeah, through college. What did you spend? Uh, all kinds of stuff, mostly alternative dance. Oh, so like yeah. classic college. Yeah, yeah. It was it was I was it was a funny time. It was the eighties. Okay. So I was hitting all kinds of stuff, everything from new wave to yeah. just kind of pulling disco that was recently you know not cool to. 
uh, you know, kind of more cutting edge stuff, you know, cultish things, and used to shop in New York and bounce all over the place and trying to find 12 inches and all kinds of things. And then uh, my partner was all hip hop and and, uh, and funk and stuff, so it was great. It was a good combination. What was the uh, what was going out like? What was I guess like the scene like in the in the 80s when you were DJing? Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, L.A. had a better scene then, I believe, than any other point. You know, everywhere. 80s were just off the hook, pushing the edge. There was a lot less uh, formality and laws and stuff like that. So the warehouse world was really cool. And, and people were doing that, crossover music all over the place. So mixing stuff that you wouldn't typically expect. So bouncing from really funky rock to stuff that people hadn't heard from the 60s and 70s through whatever currently was going And so how do you parlay that, being a DJ, into actually going to open up places? Like, how do you get someone to trust you? Are you, at first, just the cool guy who gets brought in to bring in the other cool guys? Or do you get someone who like, I have my idea, give me money? Uh, definitely more on seeing a need, you know, sure. and places that weren't happening, you know, and that was kind of our thing. We knew we had enough of a following wherever we kind of just there was such a niche that was uh, unfulfilled in certain areas. So back in the day, that was in San Diego. I grew up here. I was in San Diego getting away from you know college life. And then back in L.A., it was in Santa Monica, which, again, was not the music hub of the world. It was a tourism world of the hub. But there was Malibu, Venice, Santa Monica, and the surrounding areas that didn't have any you know, music. We got tired of driving to Hollywood. So even from the, the beginning, um, you saw a need for building up local community spots. Completely, yeah. And then the music, if the food side, especially with barbecue, music was gathering people. And yeah. That was always cool to me. And then uh, as a kid, the restaurants, like a barbecue place to me was this total social, you know, atmosphere, and this energy where people came together. It was very primal, you know, on one level, but it, it was the most social food of any that we came across. Now, growing up uh, in this area, uh, what was the LA scene like for barbecue in the 80s? It's pretty weak, you know. It's always been kind of throw together some ribs and slap some sauce on it, and it was very basic. Again, I think people like the primal side of it. You yeah. know, there's a meat aspect and some, and some sauce, and not always refined in any way, which barbecue is its nature and its history was not very refined. It was, you know, poor cuts of meat that were smoked sure. and kind of brought to life. But L.A. was pretty weak. And, and that was, I always thought, God, if we had a better quality, you know, barbecue, it would go crazy because of the social aspect of it and the people that we could gather would be great. Then we were introduced to Texas style and that blew yeah. our mind because there was nothing touching that in L.A. And to this day, it was still a pretty weak you know, uh, base. Yeah. yeah. And at that time, though, too, you get, you know, what are people's tastes and preferences? In the 80s and 90s. Yeah, right? 80s and 90s. Yeah. For a barbecue in L.A., and they're what you're exposed to. When you start, you know, you are exposed to a lot of things. People are a lot more uh, uh, educated and have more um, just, I think, interest in food in general, but also travel for the sake of food, and that's attracted other uh truly authentic styles of, of all types of cooking but here you know it was then it was a lot of barbecue where you're not even necessarily using a smoker mm-hmm. you know it's, like it's more big bayback ribs yeah. and steaming yeah, them and covering them and baking them with sauce and you know you got some of it and some of the gems but people weren't necessarily going out and finding it and I think that's um, ultimately what was really uh, as we sort of navigated our way through 
different restaurants and me is through different kitchens and well, hold on. Um, we got we have to mention one of the kitchens <laughs> yes because we'd be remiss that I mentioned that you spent time at Spago yes was, so um, little known restaurant you know little known chef to come out of there old Wolfie um, but uh, I mean you know you must have understood then being at a restaurant like that that quality of ingredients among anything yeah. was the most important yeah absolutely no, it's Spago Spago Beverly Hills particularly is a really special place and um, How did you wind up there? Puck and Lee After really took me under the wing. I, I, if I was a, a junior sous chef at a place called Dominic's in, okay. in, yeah. on Beverly in West Hollywood, and just sort of yeah, just changed. That was that was a loss. That'd be classic. That yeah. was a classic yeah. loss for LA. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was, it was a great spot. And I, um, you know, I had, I found my way. I found my way into the culinary world without a formal culinary education. I was. Um, I was a rhetoric major in a small school in Maine, Bates College, and that um, sort of ending up with, but yet obsessed with food. Yeah. And um, so I was, uh, I was at at Dominic's, and you know, before that, in between, you know, the bread the bread baking days and Dominic's, you know, find my way in other kitchens and, and restaurants, working with chefs, and I ultimately realized I, you know, needed to, if I'm going to do this, need to make the next step. I had an intro. One day, uh, through an old uh, friend of a high school friend, and I had a tryout at, at Spago, and they uh, it was an intense twelve-hour day, and they basically I think it was too uh, too young and, and and naive or ignorant to even consider that it was a crazy idea. It was yeah. like the right one, and they offered me a job, and thought I probably quit, and then I ultimately was the first uh, or one of the first. Cooks to be promoted to sous chef without a formal uh, culinary education. And you know, when you're thinking of opening up a barbecue shop, how much are you do you draw from the Spago days? A lot, because that that place is is pretty magnificent, and special. They they again Lee Lee Hefter um, and and Wolfgang uh, really you don't realize it, but they are truly. They, they in their own right are, are, are as a craftsman though they, we, the level of engagement with the product and process was always there so from making your own pizza dough to making your own pasta to you know and any you know you talk about those different Asian influences but they are always authentic and not over complicating it so you get creative but you're still making something very pure to what that food or what those products uh, how, how, or what they should be and how they should be eaten so you know we we're breaking down whole lamb we were you know taking whole rabbit and doing you know cooking them in various ways five ways but or we we're making tomatoes you know or yeah. making a fresh pasta with with wild mushrooms um, but the simplicity and how those different elements come together it's all about um, that training and understanding and then that leadership through the kitchen and knowing when you have time to, when you can go to the next level and learn more and that they really instill that I mean that respect for the ingredients and having them do what they're supposed to do is mm-hmm. sort of the fundamental Absolutely. for barbecue um, how did you two meet? That was actually uh, through kind of the wives it was, oh, the, yeah. it was the initial thing over mm-hmm. dinner but I had a lot of restaurant background, yeah. and uh, Daniel had, was working on a couple of different projects 
pulled me into one through a conversation, and it was amazing, and it was uh, down the Arts District. Mm-hmm. So we started kind of scouting this thing out, and it was a really old, old firehouse mm-hmm. that they pulled us in they wanted to convert. And the project was, you know, it was a little too ambitious for the owner. It was a crazy guy, but it was an incredible opportunity to get into the Arts District while it was just starting to hit. The Arts District wasn't even open yet, and a lot of places were just starting to hit. So hitting that new frontier and, and working together on that kind of gave us ideas to say, we, got, we, can, we can do anything, we can pool different talent, and mm-hmm. we needed to do that on that project. And started researching all this stuff, we started kind of realizing you know, why don't we find some other locations, pull some talent together, and really create some things we've always dreamed of or envisioned. And that was, barbecue was on the list, you know, and we met uh, a couple of really talented guys, and at that level, uh, just the smoking and the meats and everything else became something that was not happening in the city. You know, we're going, yeah. this, is, this is unbelievable that it's not happening. And it's in its simplicity, and then the quality, you know, control and experience that he got from Spago, knowing that we could draw people to a location that was this centrally located, if we just kind of execute half as good as Texas, we're in good shape, and I think we surpassed that. And I think that time that we, you know, that first moment that we, that when we, when we did meet after dinner, basically realized that, you know, it's, I think there's a mutual respect and understanding for how, you know, we're approached the, the business, and, you know, at one point my, my wife's like, you know, not sure if you even realized I was there, but I'm like, no, of course, no, Mike and I are having a good conversation, yeah. right? But we, how you, we sort of bookend each other, and in that time, I was, you know, still always, you know, I'm playing around, making my own vinegars at home, building my own, you know, wood fire spits in my backyard, um, smokers, etc. And again, you know, I'm always sort of drawn to to butchery and that hands-on approach, and really just, you know, and then in seeing knowing that it's a, as a business, you know, how do we, uh, meeting somebody who can really complement a skill set where we're both looking at, uh, you know, numbers always, and, you yeah. know, it's, you survival. know, I was... Survival. Yeah, yeah, I went from Spago to business school at UCLA, uh, and then yeah. to some other big restaurant groups, so when we met, it was time to get back into our own niche, and what are we proud of, what do we want to be involved in, it's going to make us happy as well as just you know just adding to um your, our respective skill sets amazing well look we're gonna take a quick break mm-hmm. we're gonna come back and talk about how you open up a barbecue restaurant in Culver city uh some of the menu and about the uh, mixing of different regions and styles that you guys have um we have a track from the archives uh and the library live performance on snacky tunes here on heritage radio network.org
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm here in the butcher room of Maple Block Meat Company with uh, Daniel Weinstock and Mike Garrett. So the year, when did you guys start talking about this? It was like 2011, 2012, yeah, too, when you start looking around. Um, and barbecue, I mean, barbecue was on its way up. Mm-hmm. As a trend But it's not And we'll get to like What it is now Five years later But The idea of really Bringing regional Texas barbecue And other Any regional barbecue To LA Was sort of Still a new idea mm-hmm. Completely um, Tough margins You need quality meat You can cook something And know that Six hours later You don't have product For the day mm-hmm. What makes you guys Decide to go into This business And what makes you Decide um, to do the style that you're going to do. I think just one taste of Texas, and especially coming from, you know, a barbecue desert, you know, in L.A. that was so void of anything that was quality or anything that compared, we felt, again, like that we hit, like, a new frontier. You know what yeah. I mean? That we were really venturing in that. And that's what's exciting to me, and I think Daniel as well, is breaking new ground. Sure. And so if this is a business and a food style that's so misunderstood. You go to Texas and it's like common sense. Oh, it's like second nature. Exactly. Right. And exactly. people would rave about it and the, and the time or two you'd have it would be so memorable and we've got nothing that compares. It's like, how bad, How? why is this such a void? And it's because it's hard work. It's really a hard labor of love to make it happen. So we, we felt like we had the, the bigger ingredients being local based, LA sure. based, so we had, a, we had a foothold on that. So then if we could pull together the technique and really deliver what Texas had. Now we had something that was really special. Let's just say what is also really excited excites us and well still excites us and did then too is like what was really missing or you know, I think was, you know, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven our barbecue spots who were opening up for the right reasons and then where they truly were just genuinely loving Barbecue as barbecue and not overcomplicating it. So my style of cooking was always something that was like less is more, the sure. simplicity of it. You know, a um, you know a, a brine for a turkey or chicken doesn't need fifty ingredients, and a, you know a beautiful steak doesn't need all doesn't always need massive rubs or sauces. Salt and pepper is you know is and restraint sort of is king, and I think. That approach to barbecue would really struck us in Texas was just the best ones were the ones who were just not overcomplicated. Simplicity and the patience and the commitment to it. Did you guys go on a Texas barbecue crawl? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Where did you hit? We hit everything. We hit Smitty's, we hit Black's, we hit. uh, was our favorite well, La, La, La Barbecue was one of our was cool obviously Franklin's yeah um yeah. Louis Mill was like the old school one and then yeah. seeing his kids breaking off yeah. showed us another thing so in kind of looking at that Louis Mueller's place is so epic you know 1950s kind yeah. of smoke you know you can taste it when you walk in yeah. yeah that it gave you kind of that heritage but then to see the two Younger kids breaking out with mm-hmm. the barbecue and and uh, yeah, the other John, spot, yeah, John Mueller's well, spot. Yeah, that John was Mueller. really cool to see that this was touching a nerve. That just good, good, simple delivered food was really what people were missing. And, so, the, and the craving of others who were just part of that culture. I mean, it's a culture that's created for a reason. Yeah. So, how do you start to develop this? And um, I guess knowing that 
every brisket that you make is probably going to be the best one you make. You know, it's like you're always moving forward, sure. and you look at these guys that are doing it for 30 or 40 years, and it's, you know, it's like any craft, like sushi or anything like that, where it's just like, it's constantly refining, perfecting, perfecting. How do you develop your recipe, and then how do you know when it's time to open? Right. Or do you just go like, this is the open date, and it's, it's as good as it's going to be, and we'll know that we're going to learn really on the job? Yeah, that was really refined well well in advance. Yeah. You know, we had done a bunch of tastings and a bunch of practice, and we had had a couple of events where we actually had other things going on, and so we had the barbecue as like a side note, mm-hmm. and people were just losing their minds over it. And that response alone, and again, it was based in the simplicity, it really helped us realize we hit a nerve you know so that that was the best tasting you know and and, yeah and 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 testing ground you know so it was like with that response to people that were like just weren't necessarily barbecue aficionados or looking for it was a great feedback to the general public and then you knew the foodies would see the real value on what we were doing the quality and now we felt like wow we got we could cover both we could cover the higher end with elevated barbecue as well as the general public and, and people that just love primal Let's get down to me. And and you know what the caveat in trying to find the right space is one is like we we're not gonna do barbecue unless we can actually use whole logs. We're not there's no gas assist in our smokers, yeah. no electric assist in our smokers, and we've you know built our our smokers in the restaurant in, in, in Texas and they're as close as you can get in LA County to a real yeah. these amazing nostalgic pits Texas, from, you know, it's so funny years. it's like instead of bringing in your elves right. from Italy right. you're bringing in the smokers from Texas but we, exactly. but we, we built our our trailer smoker um, you know in, in in Texas too and again it's like spent our money on insulating the firebox and it's all about these it's, and making sure there's enough storage for wood um, and that there was a big cutting board to hold enough meat to, to carve, and that thing is, you know, as no uh, no frills, but we uh, we really just wanted to make sure we can duplicate that barbecue, and that was an important part to to our location. And it's interesting because um, Texas Monthly came through LA mm-hmm. and said that you guys not only had the best brisket, um, but also the way that you presented the food and cut it mm-hmm. on the board was very much home to um, Texas in style and aesthetic and is that just do you think that it's not just the aesthetic but the actual process of cutting there and getting it to you that way does that add to the flavor and the experience and it's simplicity and restraint I mean honestly there's not, it's not much more beautiful nothing a lot more beautiful than just a beautiful brisket or a beautifully uh, you know smoked and properly rested piece of meat on a Butcher block and these yeah, things, yeah. again, and that's they all of these spots in in Texas. They are hundred years old using a sixty or hundred year old butcher block. Piece, yeah. You know where they're carving meats for a reason. They started off in one way, but there's a reason they're yeah, doing yeah, yeah. it. Um, and you know we wanted to make sure that we're emphasizing a great eating. It's all a little bit selfish. We just about great eating so food primal. and yeah. how we could be stuff that we want to eat, our family and our friends that have loved it. Um, and then how can we do that in a way that's engaging without being um, overly kitschy or 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 and putting the carving you know t- the butcher block right in the middle of the thing as yeah. a show and as that's the star you know the quality of the meat it doesn't have to be about us right. it's really about what you're seeing and it's it is a love affair with meat and much like a sushi bar where the sushi chef is king 
you've got your carving and your pit master is the star of the show and the quality's right in front of you to see. And that's what I think with Texas. Texas had nothing to hide. They want to show you the quality yeah. right in your face and no, you know, no, no, not hide anything, you know? Yeah. And that's that's a big part of it. Now, the interesting thing is that you also pull from other regions um, in some of the flavors that you do, um, which you don't really find. In, it's usually right. more of one clan. Um, what other regions do you pull from and, and what made you decide to pull from other barbecue areas? Well, we pull, well, you know, the reason why you end up pulling from other regions or in, in styles it are, it is not because there's no intention to be a hybrid by any means. It's sure. really, it's our, our tastes growing up and what we like in the same way that you've got different influences depending on your family and their background. And in L.A., there's... You know, there's you know, just tremendous Korean populations. In, Melting pot. You know, there's different. You know, there's you know, you got cultures from you know Guatemala and in, in Mexico, and um, you know, there's all of these sort of add to those experiences you have eating over time. And what we ended up, you know, sort of realizing as this menu came together was like sort of it was, you know, we like the. Um, it, it's just a style of, of different elements of, the, of barbecue that we really like, and sure. the the way vinegar and acid sort of contrast the richness of the meat. North Carolina, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, we're if we were in Texas, we would have probably less. We'd our we'd, our eyes would be open to maybe less than we are in LA. Sure. Um, and with that, you know, there's you know there's they're less likely to have things like our green sauce, which really is about wanting something with herbs and vinegar and, you know, is coincidentally, you know, sort of like if salsa verde and chimichurri had a baby, but it's really because we like the way it all tastes together with fatty brisket. Um, Argentinian slant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so, and I guess by opening in L.A. and in the sort of this postmodern world where it's not a uh, very hundred years of tradition of barbecue, you have the freedom to do that. That's yeah, all. yeah. So it's nothing about you know we are we like the like the vinegar. We love chopped pork. Prefer chopped pork to pulled pork. It's a preference. It yeah, happens to be an influence from the whole hog. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's uh, and and with that comes together and just with our with our team and traveling experiences, it's like okay, what do we want? What do we want to eat? And how is that? And it was just well responded to. Influences from the, from the team and different people out there. Their, their travels have kind of brought little pieces of this that were really great, you know. So some of the southern influences were, were truly authentic, and and that's helped a lot. You know, it's fun. So finally, um, you know, it's three decades from the '80s in the barbecue scene. You guys are right in the middle of it. You know, some of the top guys in the game. And every day it seems like there's another person opening a barbecue, um, whether it's uh, brick and mortar or some guy who's just doing Saturday and Sundays. Um, do you feel that you guys are, you know, like that there's a, a community? Is it all sort of brotherly love? We, we, you know, or is it sort of that like competitive restaurant business? Honestly, I, I with, for for us, like we embrace everyone. Like it's it, there is, you know the. If you're if you have a bar if you're if you're doing barbecue and you love what you're doing you're spreading the gospel of barbecue so everybody's got their own style uh, we're we love our style and then, you know and again less is more it's it's simple and it's flavor and it's quality of product and all of our butchering and in the craftsmanship of of every element that engages with the product process and if you're doing that too with regardless of what your style is then 
great, then that's helping the, you know, barbecue. So there's, uh, you know, it's as it's a business, and so you're always there's of course, you know, and we're as of course yeah. competitive, yeah. competitive, competitive in that we want to maintain our brand and quality and continue to, you know, and not compromise. But you know, there's uh, you, you you feed off each other. Yeah, and it helps when. Um, there's a, a scene and, a, and, a, and yeah. a collective, whether you know, strong or loose, of people making LA a barbecue town. Yeah. What you guys are doing. Um, well, thank you guys. Where can people find you guys uh, in, in where can they come get the barbecue? What's the address? It's 3973 Sepulveda in Culver City. Awesome. It's between Venice and Washington Place, just north of uh, Tito's Tacos. It's a good landmark, and we got our oh, parking man. lot. Right. How often are you going to get Tito's? Too many times. We got yeah. a lot when we first opened. We got a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. We first reconstructed. Exactly. Um, they're they're good friends of ours. How's your Instagram game? How's the social game? It's pretty solid. Pretty solid. And where can they find you on Instagram? Maple Block Meat Co. Okay. Uh, and then Maple Block Meat Co. for the website as well? Uh, MapleBlockMeat.com. Oh. And uh, we've got, yep. Do orders online. We do some pretty pretty awesome uh, catering and, and the uh, the some, some great events in this our mobile smoker uh, again oh, it's the same, the same, same yeah. thing that we were making Pulls. food pulling that thing you know making for our construction crew while we're doing R and D oh yeah the smell starts getting out yeah. oh yeah you drive People that thing you, yeah. you drive that yeah. thing and park it somewhere yeah. you're gonna pull that thing all over. Uh, a thousand miles away. It's pretty. It's pretty great. So we pulled that, and we got. Uh, you know, come on in, say hi. We got really love our craft beer too, and you know, daytime. You know, we you know are always making our own sodas. Come in, counter service, hang out, have a sample some brisket or ribs, like an ice cream shop. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. We have a live performance coming up after this music break. It's another track from the Snacky Tunes archives here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledged the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Welcome back to the show, Radical Dads. Um, I'm sorry we did not have the star of Home Alone and Home Alone 2. <laughs> As a warm-up band... He's our usual opener. My My personal f- uh, favorite was The Good Son, when Macaulay Culkin drops the F-bomb. <laughs> don't F with me, Mark. You know? And remember that? I, didn't, I never saw that. Dude, I don't know. I, I, I can't even say it's on Netflix. I don't know. It's like... You know, they like, tried to become like a serious actor at like nine. But then he kind of pulled it off later on, right? I don't know. He was in what? Saved? Party Monster? Party, party Monster. That's not... Yeah, yeah. I don't think anything anyone pulled off anything Party Monster. <laughs> I went back and watched it. I was like, you know, I knew it didn't hold up, but it really didn't hold up. Oh, no. Um, so welcome back. You guys are, will always now have a special place in my heart for the show you guys played yesterday. Thank you so much. Um, how have you been? Really good. Great. Oh, Excellent. wow. Thank you for the lengthy response of that. Next question. Next question. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to run out of stuff. Um, that's the only question I have is how are you doing? I That's thought we could, I thought we could stretch that. So anyway, so things are good, right? Yeah. Um, Here we just, just blowing up. Put up a record. Huge. Put a, huge. We put up opened, a record. We opened the restaurant on Avenue C. Oh yeah. Recently. Radical milk duds. Following the trends. <laughs> um, so you got the new record. How do you feel about that? Well, it feels good to finally have it out there in the world because it's been done for a little while. How long was it gestating? I don't know. Like 14 months? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like an elephant baby. Yeah. We had to write, wait till the culture was ready for us. Yeah. And we felt like now was the right time for that. What do you mean when the culture is ready for you? <laughs> do you mean like... We're not you, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, album number two? Three. 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 Yeah. What's it like going into the junior album? Um, hmm. Don't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> no. I feel like the sophomore really. albums are more like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. So I we feel fuck like that up. Like, we... everyone loves the first one, and the sophomore's like, we Wait, gotta change know. it up, man. It's like, mm, don't really change up the sophomore album. I feel like junior yeah. album, you can get a little more experimental. You gotta wait for your revolver. Oh, yeah. Revolver Soul Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Chris and Lindsay hate the Beatles, though, so I shouldn't yeah. be t- Beatle talk. These references. You hate the Beatles? I don't hate the Beatles. I just am not like Compared Beatles to- fanatic. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm more like I don't know. There are a lot of other bands that are more we, important to me from that kind of. We had an era, interview with someone, and this came up, and she was just like freaking out. She's just like, "What? Do, what do you mean you don't love the Beatles?" And I was like, "I know, right? Oh, right under the bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah." 
Um, so, third album, what was the approach this time? Um, just send it to Julian. So we just <laughs> we recorded uh, at Silent Barn with Julian and Carlos, and awesome. um, which was great. And they have a hmm. How to describe their attitude towards recording? I don't know. Cavalier. It's, Cavalier. Really. Cavalier. Guns blazing. Yeah, like just like get it done. Yeah. Second or third take, Julian was like, "Well, you could do it again, but it's probably not going to get any better." Whoa. Whoa. I don't know. That that's that's make that sound. That's uh, <laughs> when you try and go for the fourth take. He just plays the button. Before we got it. <laughs> so, that oh. Wow, that's scary. That. Okay. Um, so second, third take. How did you feel when someone, someone's like, "Ah, oh, you got it." Um. Well, every time we were just like, "Oh, yeah, that's fine." It was kind of cool to not like stress out about it. We were just sort of like, "Yeah, that'll do." Like. It's not going to get that much better. We know what we're doing. We're just going to knock it out. But it was good. It wasn't like... Yeah. It was like, that's not going to get much better. <laughs> Are we back? <laughs> we'll just... We'll cut all that out. We'll start this over. And Is that a thing? So, what was it like uh, only going in for two or three takes? Great. Yeah? Yeah, we're into it. It felt yeah. good. There's good energy in that studio, so... We, we mostly recorded it live. Like, just playing all together. Oh, that's awesome. And it wasn't a lot of, like, overdubbing. Because that feels very unnatural to us. You got a lot of energy from uh, just playing it live. Just feeding off of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. D- yeah. Just giving some good, like, good, like, bass face, drum face, keyboard face. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. whole time. Uh, Plus, we're getting old, so we weren't physically capable of doing too many more takes. <laughs> so it's like, let's just get it done in one take. I got nine takes in me today. No more overdubs. Go to yeah, it sounds fine. Um, what do you guys want to play a song for us? Sure. Uh, what song are you gonna play for us? Uh, in the water? It's called In the Water. Okay, cool. Here we got Radical Dads live on Snacky Tunes. Hopefully the ample sound up right now.
Awesome. Um, you want to do two more takes? Yeah, you know what? We got it. We got it. Never mind. We got it. Julian said that was fine. Yeah. Julian just texted me. He said, listening, totally fine, moving on. Um, so um, I heard you guys are also working on two other projects. Um, about yeah. nine months in the studio each, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, you are no longer going to be Radical Dad's name only and Radical Mom. Yeah. But Radical Dad and Mom in IRL. Yeah. That's yep. true. Uh, That's pretty crazy. And you guys also timed the babies to be born at the same time. Like, <laughs> Pretty much. What was that conversation? Was that coincidence? <laughs> We've just been planning our calendars for so long. Yeah. Like, look, we got a torn 12 months, so we <laughs> pop these kids at nine. Yeah. So you're excited? Yeah. Super yes. excited. We're gonna have to break up the band, though. It's, really? Yeah, it's not ironic enough. We'll just ch- we'll start a new band. Yeah, radical parents or like super super cool family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Probably adult responsibility. Adult yeah. responsibility. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, college, good one. <laughs> college fund. College fund. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, 401k plan. Right. Um, so that's that's so exciting. What's it like to be uh, an active band with two individual kids on the way? Um, well, hmm. We're reining in the activity. Yeah. So now we're like late night, like drug, whiskey, infused, sunrise. Parties. Yeah, we're kind of like, well, can can we play first? Is that right. cool? <laughs> I know we're the headliners, but yeah. tired. We we had a record release show. That was really fun, and we were, you know, we played third, I think, or something, <laughs> and we stayed up pretty late, and it was awesome. We were up to, like, three or something, and that hadn't happened for a little while, and then we woke up the next day, and none of us really had been drinking or anything, and we were all obliterated. We felt like we had just, like, yeah. been hit by a bus. So. It happens. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. We're old. Are you guys, but, are you guys like, healthy lifestyle, like healthy eating, no gluten, no meat, none of that stuff? healthy but um you know i have a i have a sweet tooth i have a soda tooth as well so it's a little a little tough a little dicey sometimes but um you know i i've heard that all that gets filtered out and the baby will be totally fine it's just <laughs> it's probably just a coincidence that the baby's kicking as soon as you have a soda yeah the, really acting up when you have that eighth twizzler right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So with the new album out, what's the plan? Are you going to try and fit in one more tour before the babies are born? Nope. No. 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 We're going we're gonna to see what happens after they're born. And then maybe we'll, we'll tour the world. You're getting to the later stages of the pregnancy stuff. So it's like when you're deep in the third trimester, you don't really want to be touring. <laughs> no. So I know I'm not allowed to fly, but can I play 14 <laughs> shows in a row? Yeah. And what's the decibel limit? On, yeah, what's the decibel? belly. Oh my god, that'd be so funny if you had like the <laughs> headphone on your belly. Like, I think this is where its head yeah. is. Well, I think you know what would be good is like that breastfeeding pillow. Like putting that around yeah. myself for also a show. Also protect from the guitar. But yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna do it. I think uh, you could silk screen some of those up. Yeah. Sell yeah. them, right? Radical mm-hmm. Dad breastfeeding pe- pillows. Yeah, this is yeah. when our like marketing really takes off. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's such a natural, organic fit to go <laughs> to the, like, you know, one Radical Dad onesies. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Stuff right We've itself. custom made those before. Have so, you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they were, they were just, like, one special of. orders. Special orders? Yeah, if you need yeah. specials. Yeah. Um, can we hear another song? Definitely. What are you going to play? Um, cassette Brain. Yep. This, is our, this is our baby's favorite. 
Oh yeah. Does the baby does the baby like make movements when it hears one song versus another? Um, I think that our baby really likes Robbie's drumming. Because whenever it, like whenever the guitars drop out and it's just the drum, she's like kicking what? along. Doug and Annie are here. <laughs> oh my god, Annie Hart. Uh, Where are they? They just walked into the. That's other so room. funny. I, mean, I love Annie Hart. She's put out a new single. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She did. She's throwing she's my writing. baby shower. Oh, she is. Yeah. You're like, invited. You can come. Really? Sure. I thought it was like a girls only. That's uh, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. It's any, it any be, it would, gender. It wouldn't be rad if we didn't like mix up the rules, right? Oh yeah. Um, okay. Well, can we dedicate this one to Annie? Definitely. Okay. Cool. Here we go. <laughs> Rackle Dad's live on Snacky Tunes.
So good. If you were to get swept away, where would you want to go? New Zealand. Ridgewood, Queens. (laughs) (laughs) To Andy's house. (laughs) Swept away for that. Um, So, I know you got a few gigs coming up. Yeah. DJ gigs. We're doing some DJing. At the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Six hour sets? Minimum. Uh, Four. Four hour sets. Four hour sets. What's your uh, long tune bathroom break song? Or I guess if it's all three of you, you can rotate out, right? Well, we were talking Cortez the Killer. It's Cortez the Killer. That's a good, good option. That's a classic uh, Greg Bresnitz, DJ Snacky Tunes. I used to start with Ginger by the Lilies. That's a good long one to start with. It's not super it's long. Yeah. It's like six minutes, right? Five minutes? Yeah. We're just going to grind it out with a lot of long ones. Something like ten minute Yola Tango. Oh, yeah. Oh, 17, yeah. Oh, Night Falls on Hoboken. It's like 17 minutes. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> it's like a mix. Like, you want to, like, flip songs enough so you're, like, moving through it. But then sometimes you're like... Uh, a song every two and a half minutes, you get a little, right. get a little crazy. Yeah. Are you pumped? You get some martinis. Well, I guess you're not gonna have any martinis. <laughs> I know. I was wondering if they did any special, you know, Fizz, virgin cocktails. cocktails. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Fresh juices, things like that. Yeah. And then, so those are your DJ gigs, and where are you playing next? We are gonna be playing at Rough Trade. Ooh, nice. Yeah. On the, I think it's Thursday the 16th of April. Um, of April. Yeah. And we're doing a little thing on WFMU as well, so that'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy Rough Trade figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were shut down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just like, ooh. That was, <laughs> that was, I think, a collective groan in the music industry out here. Just like, how did you not think about soundproof? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. There was like nine condos across the street. <laughs> um, so April 16th, and then what are the kids? So like, is, is this like, we're getting close to like, the last time? That might be like, it for New York. Oh, man. We have a show in Boston on April 25th. Boston. 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 Favorite uh, favorite burrito places up there? Anna's Taqueria? Oh, oh yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Love Anna's. Or Felipe's. Is like Felipe's is same, good, but Anna's. No, Anna's is. What's classic. your order up there? What you like? Uh, you know, whatever. Chicken burrito. the quesadilla. Super burrito. I'm with you. Quesadilla. They do this like we. I think they like dip it in oil and fry. It. Like, <laughs> they just like. Oh brush man. It on. <laughs> like I'll get a burrito, but get it inside a quesadilla. I just like that crunch. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't. I, it's like funny. Like I, I never expected to have my favorite burrito be in Boston. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Those New York needs to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got plenty of Viennese restaurants, but how about a good right. <laughs> So, and where are you playing in Boston, or when? O'Brien's Pub. Nice. Um, with Ava Luna, with Julian and Carlos. Oh, hey, yeah. Ava Luna. O'Brien's yeah. Pub, is that in... Alston. Alston. Yeah. I think I used to go to, I want to say Sundays, <laughs> Sunday night's 80s night there and dance. <laughs> I used to live like down the street on Wadsworth. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you miss those days? I do not miss Boston. Okay. We, I think we've touched on it before about my l- no love lost for that city. Yeah. We don't have enough I'm time. We have we have enough time That's for you guys to shout everything out and play a song, but not enough time for me to okay. rant on Boston. But I would I have gone back literally just like I've gone in, gotten off uh, the highway, gotten on as I got back on the highway. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. And the last time I went, I got one for dinner, and then I got one, <laughs> and I ate it. I brought it home with me, had it for breakfast. Good move. Yeah. That's what we call a pro tip. <laughs> Real pro tip. That is a pro tip. Um, so I want to make sure we get one last song in. But where can people get the album? Where can people get the information? Where can people get Radical Dads onesies and silkscreen prams? The website. <laughs> Which is? It's uh, RadicalDads.com is one. 
And then it's radicaldads.bandcamp.com. Shout out to Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Thanks, Bandcamp. Forever killing it. Killing it. And are you on the gram? Instagram? We're not uh, very big on the gram. We are on the gram. But yeah. Very minimally. I've heard social media, just like farming tables, going to be taken off pretty it's soon. Be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trend swaps this year. We, we got the Twitter pretty decent. Yeah, at Radical Dads uh, for your requests for onesies. We started a Tumblr. Oh, nice. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Find us on Yik Yak. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you used Yik Yak at all? Uh, yeah, I'm using it right now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this pizza's great. This place is awesome. <laughs> this place is awesome. <laughs> what are those people doing in that weird box? <laughs> um, well, thank you, guys. Uh, shout out to Ben Sisto for setting everything up yesterday. Shout out to the fam. Shout out to On Out in L.A. Shout out to Joe, my dog, who's probably just laying on the couch. Um, <laughs> Shout out to uh, Kentucky and Kansas and the March Madness. It's big wins. Big wins. (laughs) I'm so proud. I'm not really into sports. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much. What's the last song you're going to play us with? Don't go. Don't go? Yeah. Well, we have to. I know. But what are you going to play? Don't go. Don't go. But what? But who's on first? <laughs> but who's on first? Uh, we never. We always have time for bad jokes. You know what I'm saying? There we go. Uh, thank you so much. Again, thank shout you. out to Cherry thank Bomb, you. and uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Philip. I think. All right. Bye.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.